the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things, put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, Funk Radio. This is your host, Peter. And this is your host, Kyle. Hooray! To start off our episode today, we kind of realize a trend here in some funk and soul songs that a lot of them reference a lover or sometimes the singer themselves as either juicy or sugary or basically like candy. So we thought in the spirit of Halloween, which was only a couple days ago, we decided it would be pretty cool to uh, have an episode all about sweet and juicy candy. Yeah, candy is good and I'm sure a lot of children have a lot of it. Speaking of candy, did you hear the story of this woman in, I want to say, North Dakota, mm. who, out of some grinchly sort of self-righteousness, kids that came to her door that she felt were, like, obese, rather than, <laughs> rather than give them candy, she gave them a note to take to their parents, basically shaming them for being fat and saying, you're terrible parents, please feed your kids better. It, wow. It, Obviously, it was better worded than that, but that's basically the gist of it. America. <laughs> yeah. My gosh. Which is, if it's in North Dakota, she probably had gave more of those out than candy. <laughs> um, yeah. As much as I feel really sad when I see, like, morbidly obese children, like, I don't think that's the proper way to, like, reinforce that they're obese. You're too fat for candy. Here's a, here's a letter for your parents. <laughs> Please, she really, like, pinned it to their chest so they had to take it home like a teacher. Oh, gosh. Um, I did not hear about that, but that's pretty funny. Yeah. So is everybody pissed at her then for doing that? It got national recognition, and most of the comments I read were very (laughs) anti-her. So, yeah, I assumed the nation was very outraged. How dare they deprive our children of candy? (laughs) Well, here on Funk Radio, we never deprive you of candy. Yeah. So, um, speaking of candy, what do we got up first, Mr. Peter? Coming up first is a song called Juicy by Confunction. And if you don't know, Confunction is an American R&B and funk band who were popular during the 1970s and 80s. Um, They got their start as a backup group for the Soul Children under the name Project Soul. While recording at Audio Dimensions Sound Studio in Memphis, Tennessee, Producer Ted Sturgis renamed the group Confunction after an instrumental recording by the Nightlighters. He also produced their first album, Organized Confunction, in 1973. Three years later, in 1976, Confunction signed to Mercury Records, releasing 11 albums over the span of 10 years, which is kind of impressive. That's a lot. Yeah, considering a lot of bands now only do an album every couple of years. Yeah, really. Although, that might have been the case back then, too. I'm not sure. So, the song that we were talking about right now is Juicy, and that comes from their sixth album called Spirit of Love, which was released in 1980. Something I wanted to note while I was doing research is that they actually also have a song called Candy uh, from their fifth album, which is also called Candy, which was released in 1979, the year before Juicy. Neither of these two songs are that well-known, but that seems to be a recurring thing with them, is that they like to describe their lover as something sweet and juicy. Um, So, before we listen to a clip of the song, I want to read some of the lyrics from the song. It starts out, 
Writing down a letter, you said I'd better write a little more about me. I'm like grapefruits, peaches, apples, and oranges. There's quite a similarity. I'm juicy. Yeah, baby. Come squeeze me, girl. Juicy. Come tease me, girl. So, <laughs> sort of a little bit sexual, probably. Um. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how to feel about that. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not candy per se, but I think it's more. I think we're, what we're talking about is more than candy. It's more than. It's more about describing yourself or someone else as. Uh, kind of the the metaphor of being sweet and juicy, like something sweet that you want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is a pretty cool song. I partly remember it because we played it on our original uh, funk radio show back in college. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh wow, that's awesome. So pretty good was, song. Was that during our Halloween episode or no? I don't think so. Oh. I think we did just. Uh, typical well, Halloween uh, sounding like, songs. Yeah. Which would have been really cool. We should have done that. But but we didn't do it on Halloween, so... Well, maybe we'll surprise our listeners by doing it randomly some other time in the year. We should do a Thanksgiving episode about songs about Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because there's so many of those. It's the most popular one of all. Yeah. So, now that you've heard a little bit about Confunction and this song, Juicy, and a few of the lyrics... Um, let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Juicy by Confunction. So that was Juicy by Confunction. Um, if you remember a minute ago, I mentioned that they also had a song called Candy. Um, in 1979. Now, I don't really have any information on that song, partly because it wasn't that popular of a song, like I said, nor was the album itself. There wasn't really much to say about it, but it is kind of in the same idea, so we're going to listen to a clip of Candy as well. was Candy by Confunction. Kind of a rare moment we got to listen to two songs by one artist in a row. That is pretty cool. What's coming up next, Mr. Kyle? Next up is another song named Candy that's not by Confunction, but is by a band named Cameo, who is actually sort of similar to Confunction, because they were both funky. They should have renamed themselves Candio. <laughs> Just no. because it would be cool. So yeah, Cameo is, if you don't know, a funk group who did funk in the 80s. Cool. And, and 70s. Uh, they released this song, Candy, as the second single off their 1986 album, Word Up, which has probably what is arguably the most famous song, Word Up. This particular song reached number 21 on the Hot 100 and number 1 on the R&B charts in 1987. Nice. And was actually recently been featured, I wouldn't say recently, but whatever, has been featured <laughs> in the video game Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which came out six years ago. Yeah. Um, and can be heard, because uh, on the game there's a little different radio stations you can switch between, and I guess it can be found on the Bounce FM radio station. Cool. Sadly, I don't think it made a recurrence in the new Grand Theft Auto V, which is also set in San Andreas. 
Um, it is, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, that's the whole. That was they the whole re- they thing. returned. They returned to the city. The city. That's cool. Or the, whatever. It's it's funny. I guess in the new game, even you, you can go back. I don't you, you know I don't think you played any of the Grand Theft Auto games, but you can go back to like the original house in the original San Andreas game. It's called Grove Street because hmm. you're like you play this black guy who joins the Grove Street gang, hmm. and you do gangster things. And in the fifth and in the fifth Grand Theft Auto, you can go back to that street. Back to your roots. For sure. Cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, for those of you that don't know, Cameo is an American soul-influenced funk group that formed in the early 70s. They were actually initially a 13-member group wow. known as the New York City Players. However, this name uh, changed to Cameo to avoid a lawsuit from the Ohio Players, mm. another group in that era, and since then they've recorded a lot of records. Cool. So apparently... You can't name yourself the players of any specific area <laughs> unless you join the Ohio. So I, I, we can't be like, we can't be the Tustin players or the Anaheim players. You could probably do it now that nobody really knows who the now Ohio that, players now that are. They're, now that they're all dead. Yeah. Actually, they're not dead, but yeah. Yeah, it's probably true. But yeah, I don't get the conflict with that. Ohio and New York City are, have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they were on the same label or something. Possibly, yeah. Weird. Anyways, since we just listened to a clip of Candy by Confunction, let's now listen to a clip of Candy by Candio. Not Candio. <laughs> Pardon. That was Candy by Cameo. <laughs> like you were saying, um, at least got onto the Hot 100 uh, and the R&B charts. So this one is a bit more well-known uh, than the two we were talking about a few minutes ago. But uh, they're all pretty good. Uh, this next song is possibly even more popular. This one's called Sugar Sugar by Wilson Pickett. Now, Sugar Sugar was actually um, a pop song written by Jeff Berry and Annie Kim and originally performed by the Archies who were a band formed by a group of fictional teenagers in the television cartoon series, The Archie Show. The song reached number one in the U.S. in 1969 and stayed there for four weeks. Uh, a little bit when they were st- trying to promote the song, uh, studio manager Don Kirshner um, initially was promoting the song for radio station executives without telling them the name of the group. Um, this was partly due to the fact that the Archies previously released a single called Bang Shang a Lang, which only mm-hmm. which which only hit number twenty two on the uh, Billboard Hot one hundred, so they didn't want to I guess give it to radio stations and say hey this might be another mediocre song. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the most of the DJs liked the song, um, so then the promotional people told them that it was performed by a cartoon group. So I, I mean that's I guess that's another reason why you wouldn't tell them up front because it's like hey this is by a band that doesn't really exist. They're all cartoon so characters. So wait, the Archies aren't a real group? No, like... Have you ever seen, like, the Archie like Archie cartoons? So basically, there was a cartoon show of that, and this song, Sugar Sugar, was performed by, I guess, whoever did the voices for those characters. So it wasn't a real band, it was kind of... Oh, okay. I got it. And then... And then Wilson Pickett covered it? Yes, that's true. Um, the song has been covered by numerous artists... Uh, since its release in 1969, although soul singer Wilson Pickett was, if not 
the first one. He was one of the first ones uh, to record his version and released it also in 1969, I think, at the end of the year. Uh, and his version remains to be one of the more well-known ones. This cover that he did was during his Criteria Studios sessions in late 1969. So um, part of the lyrics that I want to read again, quote, When I kissed you, girl, I knew how sweet a kiss could be. Like the summer sunshine, pour your sweetness over me. Sugar, pour a little sugar on it, honey. Pour a little sugar on it, baby. I'm going to make your life so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it seems like no matter how I read these, they always sound sexual, even if they're not. I think that's just because you are a very sexual person. I'm not sure whether that's good or bad. I think that can only be good. <laughs> well, you listeners can contemplate that while you listen to a clip of Sugar Sugar by Wilson Pickett, not the original version by The Archie Show. I mean, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the Archies, excuse me. That was Sugar Sugar by Wilson Pickett, a cover of a very popular song from 1969 by the Archies. That's pretty cool. You can hear all the sweetie sugar covering your body as you listen to that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, coming up next, uh, after that sweet, sweet sugar, sugar, is another song about high fructose corn syrup. Um, (laughs) Sugar Pie Honey Bunch by The Four Tops, which is probably one of the more famous songs in our list. That's true. Um, It was recorded in 1965 on the Motown label, and it was written and produced by Motown's main production team, Holland Doisier Holland. The song is actually one of the most well-known Motown tunes of the 1960s, and it reached number one on the R&B charts, and it was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for two non-consecutive weeks. Um, cool. <laughs> from the week of June 12th, and then again on the week of June 26th. Huh. That's kind of weird. Okay. Um, Do we know what song was in between those? No. <laughs> I don't know, probably a song about summer. The song itself finds lead singer Levi Stubbs, assisted by the other three tops, hence the four tops, I can add, um, pleadingly professing his love for a woman. And here's a little quote from the song. Sugar pie honey bunch, I'm weaker than a man should be. I can't help myself. I'm a fool in love, you see. And like many of his most, most of his lead parts, Stubbs' vocals are recorded in a tone that straddles the line between singing and shouting. Similar to a tone of a black Baptist preacher. Um, so <laughs> he was a black true. Baptist preacher. Hmm. The melodic and chordal progressions are actually very similar to the Supreme song, Where Did Your Our Love Go? So, uh, yeah, I can see that. So yeah, Mr. Stubbs, he basically is like James Brown, but in a more harmonic way, because he just shouts at you. <laughs> so you were saying that there's Levi Stubbs on the other three tops. Yes. If he's the main one, does that make him the top of the tops? Right. The top top. <laughs> he's the top top. He's the tip top. <laughs> Fun fact is, actually, the Supremes actually did a cover of the song as well. So, oh, interesting. Yes. Did its four oh. tops do Where Did Our Love Go? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That doesn't seem like their bag. Hmm. Another fun fact, though, is Rolling Stone magazine ranked this song number 415 of the list of the... 500 greatest songs of all time. Yay. Yay. 415. Yeah. 
That's better than 416. You're good at math today, Kyle. Yeah, I'm like Count Chocula. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I just fused Sesame Street and cereal. <laughs> How come they don't have a Sesame Street cereal? I'm sure they at one, they had to have it at one point. Huh. I mean, come on. Yeah. You should look. You should Google that. I'll let um, our funky listeners Google that and tell us on our Facebook page. Yes, tell us to our faces. <laughs> so, um, let's listen to a little clip of Sugar Pie Honey Bunch by The Four Tops so you guys can get your honey bunches of oats. I really hate the commercials for that cereal. Oh, yeah, those are kind of annoying. Where the people just drive around the country and throw honey bunches of oats at people and say, OATS! <laughs> that would be a really cool commercial. <laughs> Look at how tasty cereal at people. <laughs> Look at how tasty it is. And then they, like, go to people in, like, auto factories and feed them honey bunches of oats, and then they're like, this is really tasty. And then I just envision that because they're eating cereal and they're not working, they're like, Something, some large vehicular part is like backing up and like falling <laughs> off the conveyor belt. This makes my blue collar taste like a white collar. <laughs> this makes me for- oh, forget all about the food stamps. Are we terrible people? Very. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to hell. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of hell, what do we have up next, Mr. Peter? Oh, God. Okay. What do we have coming up next? Oh, we have a pretty good song from the 80s. It's called Juicy Fruit by M. Tume. I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. Uh, I thought it was It's spelled M-T-U-M-E. What's up with all these like African-themed bands in the 80s? It seems like that was kind of a thing in the 80s. It really does. I mean, like Afrobeat and all that weird crap. Influence, yeah. We should do an episode on that. That's true. So, M2 May was a funk and soul group that rose to prominence during the early 1980s. Its founder, James M2 May, previously played and toured with the jazz legend Miles Davis in the early 70s, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. I wish I did that. But right? I'm, not, I'm not that cool. The group M2 May that he formed um, is perhaps best well known for this single, Juicy Fruit, which came out in 1983. The song reached number one on the Billboard Black singles chart on June 4th. It remained there for eight weeks, which is pretty long time. It's like two months. It only reached number 45 on the Hot 100, however. Kind of surprising. Um, but it did become certified gold, I think, within like the first month of its release. Oh, wow. So it sold a million copies, which is pretty cool. Oh, so, something um that I found interesting when I was researching this song is that they actually modified the song's lyrics slightly for the music video. The line, you can lick me anywhere, was replaced <laughs> with candy kisses everywhere to avoid censorship. Oh. So, I guess it was okay for the radio, but not good enough for the TV. And I think this is just when... I think, isn't isn't this right when uh, MTV was starting? Like, 83? Uh, End of yeah, 83, maybe? Yeah, something like that. So. That's a shame. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> That's um, back when MTV actually played music. Yeah. Juicy Fruit, along with being its own kind of famous song, is also partly known for being extensively sampled in many hip-hop artist songs, 
most notably the 1994 hit song Juicy by Notorious B.I.G. So if you're into hip-hop and you like funk, then you should look up Juicy. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read some of the lyrics again from the song Juicy Fruit. It says, quote, Candy rain coming down, taste you in my mind and spread you all around. Do what you want, I don't care. I'll be your lollipop, you can lick me everywhere. So yeah, it's pretty sexual. Not Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... We've talked about innuendos on this show before. Uh, this could definitely I th- I think go into that category. Most of the songs we're talking about today could kind of fall into that. I think I guess candy and sweet stuff lends itself to making of the love and stuff like that so (laughs) we're not going to argue with that um but you've heard enough of me talking let's listen to a clip of juicy fruit by m2 Some candy. Have some juicy fruit. I, I'm, you're gonna hate me for this, but I hated juicy fruit. I still do. The gum. Yeah, I don't. I think probably because I really don't like gum in general. Yeah, I don't either. Not, like you know, like when we, in middle school and high school, everyone was like chewing gum constantly. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'm always turned off by it. Maybe it's this co- concept of like chewing something that you're not intending to eat. Yeah, that really bugs me. It seems like, you know, like when you see a cow just chewing on something. <laughs> I know that's kind of rude, but, like, just the co- that concept of, like, mm. I'm just going to chew on this piece of undigestible plasticine or whatever it's made out of mm. for hours on end until it loses whatever flavor has been injected into it <laughs> by scientists. Just none of that seems appealing to me. If I'm going to chew something, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, well, I'm, part of the thing with me is that I'm... I'm afraid that I'm going to subconsciously forget that I'm chewing gum and I'm going to swallow it. That too. Because I think I, in my brain, I'm I'm comparing it to something like um, Starburst yeah. or something. I like Starburst. And Starburst is awesome and you can eat it. Um, but you can't eat gum. Well, you can, but you should Remember, what was that wives' tale? Like, gum takes seven years to, like, digest or something? Something like that, yeah. It's not true. It just it doesn't break down, that your stomach doesn't break it down, so when it goes through you, it just kind of stays the way it is. It's kind of gross. That's even yeah. worse. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, I don't want to think about that. It gives a new term to the to the word bubble butt. <laughs> God. Can ta- you can take that out if you like. I think... I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> you know! <laughs> Thank you for that, Kyle. You're welcome. Um, I'm sure our listeners uh, appreciate it. That imagery. <laughs> Up next, we have a song not about juicy fruit, but about chocolate. Cool. Called oh, chocolate. wait, sorry. No! <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was actually gonna th- I was thinking, because juicy fruit, I'm assuming, was around by then. Um, by the yeah. time that song came out. So I was wondering, if, wondering, do you think if there was any upset because of the song name or like cross-promotion? I don't know. I don't know. Juicy Fruit is a flavor of chewing gum made by the Wrigley Company. Uh, it was introduced in 1893. Okay, so it was around by 1983. <laughs> that was literally 90 years before. And in the 21st century, the brand became recognized by 99% of Americans. That's a lot. 
with total wow. sales in 2002 reach of 153 million things. <laughs> That's good. a lot of things. Good God. The average age of the typical Juicy Fruit customer is under 20, with 3 to 11-year-olds making up the heart of the business. What the heck, really? Well, yeah, kids chew gum. Like, gum isn't like an adult. Like, whenever I see right. an adult... Well... That's, that's another reason, too. Whenever I see an adult chewing gum, it seems really immature to me. Because I, I yeah. conflate gum with, like, this childlike candy thing. So when I see, like, an adult doing it, I'm just like, you look like you're 12, dude. <laughs> Come to think of it, yeah, I don't really see people chewing gum. Yeah. This age. Oh, that's interesting. I don't um, really think about gum. So, fun juicy fruit facts. Eh. Yeah, so, well, I, I, I guess I assume there was no yeah, copyright issues I think there. you were fine. Pretty much any gum manufacturer except for that whole, like, five gum, I think, has been made since, like, the 50s. Yeah, well, plus, I, I guess the... they're not. I guess M2MA isn't really trampling on their territory because... It's music, it's not gum. Okay, because I love the internet. Okay. You know those commercials for Five Gum where they have, like, some crazy thing, like, contraption doing something to a person, and then it's, like, how it feels to chew Five Gum. Yeah. I saw a picture on the internet of a, uh, like, electron microscope picture of a tapeworm with Steve Buscemi's head photoshopped onto it. And it said, how it feels to chew five gum. What the hell? <laughs> I just lost it. Wow. <laughs> I guess I guess there's a bunch of those on like Reddit and the internet and stuff where people just put random things together and put that as like, the title. <laughs> if you think about it, Steve Buscemi does look like a tapeworm. A little bit. No, not really. I guess. I don't know. You know who does look like Steve Buscemi? Joni Mitchell. Go look up a picture of Joni Mitchell. Alright, I'm going to look up a picture right now. J-O-N-I-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Maybe that's his sister. <laughs> I don't know. We'll never know. Maybe. These are the questions you should be asking yourselves, funky listeners. Exactly. Speaking of uh, Steve Buscemi, the next song that we have up is Chocolate Girl by The Whispers. I just wanted a segue. Um, yes, Chocolate Girl by The Whispers. For those of you that don't know, The Whispers are an R&B dance vocal group from Los Angeles, California. If I may interrupt quickly, was The Whispers one of the groups that you got vinyls of today, or is that... Yes, but unfortunately this particular vinyl does not have Chocolate Girl. Oh, that's okay. Which made me sad. It has a song called Up on Soul Train, which sounds awesome. Hmm. And I guess they had a consistent track record of hit records dating back to the late 1960s. And were actually inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2003. Uh, however, and they won the Rhythm and Blues Foundation's prestigious Pioneer Award in 2008. Cool. So, couldn't really find much on this song because it's not one of their bigger hits. So mm-hmm. it's not one of those like, it was number one for three weeks on the blah 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 chart. It's not one of those. It's mm-hmm. just a cool song. They should have the cool chart where it's just like, yeah, it's a cool song. We'll put it on the chart, whatever, man. Numbers. Those are just. Fabrications of the man, man. <laughs> you know. I have a question about the vocal group Hall of Fame. Yes. Or whatever. Yes. This might be a dumb question. How come these groups are always inducted, like, 40 years after they were popular? Because... So they have to, like, be not doing anything for a long time? They're... Because I think it's a matter of their of it proving their staying power. Some A lot of bands are, you know, become popular, but then, you know... 
a decade later, like, no one cares about them. Yeah. Like Salt and Pepper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or crisscross those kids that wear their pants backwards. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that, you know, like... They don't so, want to just say, oh, hey, this is really like, popular right now. Let's it's like, oh, you're popular, boom, you're in. It's like, no, you're popular, yeah. and you stay popular, and or at least culturally recognizable for X number of years. So, for example, it would be really bad if they put, like, Psy into the yeah vocal hall of fame. I would stab myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense, though, I guess. Because it seems like a lot of these, um, like, soul and R&B groups... We've noticed, like, within the last 10, 20 years, more like 10 years, um, a lot of them have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, even though they were popular 30, 40 years ago. Pretty much. I did want to read a little bit of the lyrics of this song because it's pretty awesome and chocolatey. Cool. The Part of their chorus goes, Chocolate girl, oh chocolate girl, come and play in my ice cream. <laughs> Bittersweet bitter cocoa tame. Oh, and Coco Tame, we could live in a chocolate dream. Oh, if we could, I would wish we could. That's a weird line. Don't you wish we could? Never grow old and gray. These are pretty awesome lyrics. This basically, okay, remember that scene from The Simpsons where Mr. Burns has, like, a German firm take over oh, the yeah. plant, and they're, like, doing evaluations, and... Homer, like Dave, I read Homer, and he's like, you guys like chocolate? And the German guys are like, why, of course, we are from the land of chocolate. <laughs> and then he spends, like, the next three minutes envisioning a land of chocolate that he eats. Yeah. And then when he comes back to reality, the German guy yells at him, he's like, you were standing there for 15 minutes. <laughs> or, or something. Yeah, that was funny. Oh, man, I love that show. I love those old episodes. I forgot about that. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so yeah, um, let's instead of listening to Homer Simpson's envision of Chocolate Land, yeah, let's listen to Chocolate Girl by The Whispers, so you can swim around in Mr. Peter's ice cream. Chocolate Girl by The Whispers, uh, the first song that we've talked about today that uses chocolate specifically. Um, obviously, chocolate also kind of has the double meaning of black people in this sense because most of these singers are black. So racist. This that's not racist. They black people were singing it. <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction. Well, you did. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we only have one other song in this list with the reference to chocolate. I think there, I think there's a bunch of other ones that I'm uh, sure there I didn't are. think of for this one, but I know there are a few. So yeah, that's a thing too. And this, those, those lyrics are pretty awesome too. Right. <laughs> what was that lyric? Swim around in my ice cream. Yeah. Wow, that sounds really dirty, innuendo-ish. There's also the band Hot Chocolate, but I don't oh, know. Oh, that's if they true. Actually... I forgot about that. Did they do a song involving chocolate? Yeah, I think... No! No. Uh, not that I'm saying. Which is really weird. I thought they did. Mm, I don't remember. Not in their, not in their best hits, at least. Mm, okay. But they did do You Sexy Thing. You Sexy Thing! Coming up next is a song called Candy Liquor Girl 
by Marvin sees. Honestly, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> um, I, no, I mean, I did, I did find some information about him, but um, when I, I kind of discovered the song by accident. And, yeah, this is a really sexual song. <laughs> so. There's a song called Chocolate Jesus. That sounds awesome. Who is that by? <laughs> Tom Watts. Huh. Should I talk about Candy Liquor Girl? Yeah, you should. I'm sorry. I'm oh, just okay. going on. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so Marvin Cease, who is also known as the Candy Liquor, was an American blues and soul singer-songwriter known for his racy lyrics. He was born in Blackville, South Carolina, which almost seems like <laughs> Blackville made up. It's that's weird. I never heard of that. C started as a gospel artist of all things, um, but he moved to New York City at the age of 20 and formed his own R&B group, which consisted of him and his brothers. Um, however, this band did not find any popularity at all and eventually broke up. Um, in 1986, he recorded a self-titled album and entered a recording contract with Polygram Records. Um, with this contract, he was able to launch his music nationally with the re-release of this album on Mercury Records in 1987. This updated release of his previous material also included a new 10-minute track, Candy Liquor, which became an instant success for Seas through the South. The song became popular despite not having any radio airplay since it was deemed too explicit for the audience. Something I was reading, I think it's kind of similar to, I think it was, was it Stroken by Clarence Carter, how we were saying yes. that it became really popular through, like, jukeboxes and clubs and stuff? And yeah, bars. exactly. Uh, I exactly. think this song was kind of a similar instance, because in the original version of this song, there are some racy things that obviously the radio is never going to play, especially back then. So uh, I think that's how it became popular, but uh, it was his most well-known hit, which is pretty cool. And over the next decade, uh, Cease released many more records for Mercury and Jive Records. Um, although Candy Liquor was always his best-known song. That's pretty cool. I can dig it. Just a short little bit of the lyrics from the song. He says, I'm not ashamed no more. I want to do the thing that your lover never did before. Baby, let me be your Candy Liquor girl. Just so you're not confused, listeners, he's not saying he wants to be your Candy Liquor girl. He's saying to his girl he wants to be your Candy Liquor Meaning he wants to lick your candy, baby, so I think you can figure out what that means. Hmm. I'm getting some discrepancy, because some places that I'm looking at the song, I'm saying that it's called Candy Liquor Girl, and other places I'm saying it's simply called Candy Liquor. Yeah. Well, like I was saying, uh, I think... I'm not sure about this, but it might... it might Candy Liquor Girl might have been the original title, but then when, when he, he re-released it, it, it might have been just Candy Liquor. Oh, uh, Perhaps. Candy Liquor would make more sense because Candy Liquor Girl would imply that he was a girl who licked candy. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just, girls candy, so. just as I was reading more about it just now, I wanted to make sure there wasn't a discrepancy because right. I was confused. Oh. Well, now but you yeah, you might, you, you might be right. Hmm. So I can dig it. So yeah, the re-released version of the song is 10 minutes long, but we're not going to play the whole thing, obviously. Uh, we will listen to a short clip of Candy Liquor or Candy Liquor Girl. Play Marvin Cease. That was Marvin Cease's song, Candy Liquor Girl, his most famous song, because... He did not reach much success, I think partly just due to the fact that he was kind of racy with his lyrics and stuff. As we've talked about before, I think the more controversial you are, the much harder it is to gain popularity widespread. Mm. So, 
that's probably part of it. Makes sense. Yeah. I didn't actually know who Marvin Cease was, so now I have a new artist to check out, so thank you. Yeah. Up next is an artist that probably doesn't need much introduction. The song Chocolate City by Parliament. Although I am very sad because well, you I dress Kyle. Okay. For Halloween, I thought it would be really cool to dress up as Bootsy Collins from Parliament because he had a very distinct fashion, mm-hmm. let's let's say. So I went, I got a bunch of clothes together from Goodwill. I think you went with me. Yeah. You and, and DJ Major Laser. I got different materials from different places and some stuff I even like kind of made by hand. Like he's very famous for wearing star sunglasses, but I couldn't find any. So I just took a regular pair of sunglasses, poured some glitter on the lenses with glue, and then like masked out star shapes. So when I took them off, it was like glitter and then stars, whatever. Those turned out really so, awesome, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> so I went through all this trouble to make this awesome outfit to wear because there was a Halloween party at my work. And like all of maybe three or four people knew who I was. Hmm. The rest of them just thought I was a pimp. <laughs> More disturbingly, the one African-American co-worker that we have that I work with. The one. Who, the, uh, sadly, right? <laughs> I know. Who also, or not, I'm not going to lie, totally looks like Deputy Jones on Reno 911. <laughs> Cool. A.K.A. the black dude. He didn't even know who I was. Mm. I'm like, and I even played Parliament. He still didn't know who I was. I'm just like, uh. I didn't want to be completely racist, but I'm like, you can't not call yourself a black man. <laughs> God, that's kind of sad. It's really, and he's like, 30s, so he was even probably around during that time. Maybe not like an adult. But right. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I was. So everyone just thought I was a pimp, and I'm like. Whatever. <laughs> These people need to listen to more funk radio than they would know all about this. They really do. <laughs> yeah, the only ones who knew who I was was my two coworkers in the animation department, my boss in the animation department, and that's about it. So no one outside of animation knew who Bootsy Collins was. Well, to be fair, the rest of the work there's the there's the dev team, which is all like the coders and stuff, and they don't really have lives. <laughs> and then the install team. And they work a lot, so they don't have lives either. Mm. So that <laughs> that might be why. Well, hey, if you do it again next year, they'll know who you are. I'm not going to do anything next year because my costume wasn't a success. If it makes you feel any better, my costume didn't end up really coming together, so I didn't wear it at all. Oh, yeah, your sheriff outfit? Yeah. Well, that's what I didn't get about that, though, because... You already wear, like, a collared shirt, belt, and slacks to work. Yeah. All you needed was, like, a cowboy hat and a sheriff badge. The issue with that was that I didn't want to pay $25 for a hat I was going to wear once and then throw away. Holy crap, a cowboy hat's $25? They weren't, like, some, they were up, they were, like, 15 to 25 bucks. I'm, like, I'm not... 15... They were, I mean... Did you go to, like, a costume store? I went to, like, all these different stores. Oh, man. They went from... Like fifteen to twenty five, and was like, it's not really worth it, because I got yeah. the I got all the other clothes for less than that combined. Oh, so yeah. I didn't really. Want yeah, it. that was that was what I was torn because the hat that I ended up getting because I couldn't find one was like fifteen, and I was just like, and there were, and I was like, okay, whatever. So I went to Michael's, got some like cheap felt and glue for like mm-hmm. five bucks, made the star and stuff on it. Yeah, everything I got at Goodwill was like almost as little as I spent on the rest of the costume because I got like some fake jewelry. Hmm. And that's about it. Actually, yeah, I got most of it at Goodwill. So yeah, good stuff. Shop if you want, yeah, if you want fun clothes, shop at Goodwill. Well, if it's any, it's actually not all bad. 
on my end because I did end up wearing the shirt the next day as regular well, work clothes. Well, there you and go. It fits fine, so <laughs> that's good. There you go. You got another work outfit. That's true. Um, so I should probably get back to talking about the song because I totally forgot. Oh yeah. Um, the song here, Chocolate City, uh, by Parliament, was the lead track of the 1975 album of the same name, Chocolate City, which has a very beautiful picture of a chocolate city. <laughs> it was released as a two-part single, the first from the album, and the second by itself. The song's largely spoken vocals delivered by George Clinton express pride in quote-unquote chocolate cities, that is, cities with uh, a majority black population. Mm. Even in like places like New York, or I don't even think there's that many. I don't know. I'm curious. Weren't they? Yeah, I mean, isn't this song in reference to places like D.C. or Cleveland or something like that? Isn't that kind of what it's... Yeah, places something with like a, very, that, yeah. a very large black population. Yeah. Um, I guess... But yeah, even in those, I... I, I wouldn't call it a majority, would a, but... It... Yeah. I don't know, I'm curious. So the song also reflects a sort of solidarity... Um. Uh, with African-American society at the time, and the singer, George Clinton, playfully hypothesizes that it, what it would be like if there were an African-American in the White House, because that would never happen. <laughs> right? Right. Right, Peter? Yeah. Who's, yeah. Because Obama. Yeah, that guy. Well, you know, fun fact, George Clinton also released the song Paint the White House Black in yes, 80-something. Why did Obama not play that on his campaign trail? That would have been the greatest thing <laughs> in the history of It might of have been better if he played it after he won, just, just to make <laughs> just sure. As a, just as a screw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so George Clinton kind of hypothesizes along with that. He also jokingly assigns different people to different positions in government. And in the song, he says, Muhammad Ali would be the president of the United States. Because we would totally have a Muslim president, like, ever. <laughs> this guy who I don't know, Reverend Ike. Maybe Ike from Ike and Tina Turner? Didn't he be, did he become a reverend? I don't, I don't know. Probably not. I think he was coked up too much. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like the opposite of a reverend. <laughs> <laughs> he would be the Secretary of the Treasury. Richard Pryor would be the Minister of Education. <laughs> which apparently... This is, this, is, this is even freakier. This that position that he named was a, was at the time a fictional position, and the United States didn't even actually establish a Department of Education until 1979. Oh, interesting. So huh. he this was, that was foresaw, he foresaw that. <laughs> That's actually um, Stevie Wonder would be a Secretary of Fine Arts, nice. also a made-up position, okay. but awesome. And Aretha Franklin would be the first lady. <laughs> That's awesome. So Aretha Franklin would have to marry Muhammad Ali hmm. simply for that position. I can dig it. Yeah, so it's a really awesomely fun song that I think we should listen to a little clip of. Cool. A blood to blood, a players to ladies. The last percentage count was 80. You don't need the bullet when you got the ballot. Are you up for the downstroke? CC. Chocolate City. Are you with me out there? I have some time. Put him in the fungeon. You know, it's kind of weird that we're talking about candy today because, by coincidence, the kids are watching Wreck-It Ralph for the first time in months, as we're talking right now. And for those of you who don't know, that movie has a lot of candy, candy in it. Candy so, references. Um, yeah, it's an amazing movie. I forgot how good it was. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to talk about our last song for today. Yeah. We're just 
candying right through all this, aren't we? No yeah. idea what that was supposed to mean. We're just candy crushing this list. There you go. <laughs> I hate I hate that game. Oh my god, I hate that game. It's basically Bejeweled with candy. And <laughs> for whatever reason, it's the most popular game in the world right now. Didn't they do a thing? I've never played it, but didn't they do a thing where you had to... You could only play so many levels, and then you had to do something on Facebook. You had to or you had to pay, pay you had to pay to like open more or, levels or something. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those microtransaction games, but so many people have gotten, like, addicted to it that I guarantee, like, all those people had, like, a huge payday. Yeah. But I hate games like that. It's like, like, like I liked Cut the Rope, but it was kind of like that, too. Like, you had to pay extra for, like, continuing, mm. like, areas or levels. It's just, like, yeah. really... I don't like, I'd rather, if you have to pay, I'd rather just pay up front and then just never have to worry about it again. Like, make it, you know, make it a $2 game instead of a $1 game. Yeah. And then stop asking me to pay a dollar every, you know, five hours. Yeah. So, what's Open New Edition? Um, so our last song, as you just said, is by a group called New Edition, and the song is called Candy Girl. So New Edition was actually an R&B boy band, um, in the early 80s. The, the song Candy Girl was released in February of 1983, and was the first single from their debut album of the same name. The song only reached number 46 on the U.S. charts, but strangely it hit number one in the U.K. later that year, and I think in May. So, one of those situations where, for some reason, it was a lot more popular with the British people than here. The kind of weird thing about New Edition, especially... Oh my god, they sound exactly like Yeah, I was just about to say that. I'm sorry. Oh my god, you just said that. I was just saying as you said that, is that they sound almost exactly like um, the Jackson 5, and that was completely intentional. Really? Yes. Songwriter-producer Marie Starr discovered uh, this group, New Edition, performing at a local town show. And so he wrote the song Candy Girl for them and envisioned them as 1980s answer to the Jackson 5. So the lead singer of the group, Ralph Trisvant, was positioned as the lead singer because Marie Starr considered his high tenor as a reminiscent of a younger Michael Jackson, while having members Ricky Bell and Bobby Brown showing alternate leads. So basically, Marie Starr really wanted his own version of the Jackson 5, so he created it with these with this boy band. And the way I said that sounded really creepy. Partly because it might be, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, if you lis- when we listen to this clip of Candy Girl in a minute here, if you know what the Jackson 5 sounds like, this will sound almost identical. Uh, it's it's like kind of you- weird. If you transplanted the Jackson 5 20 years later, this is exactly how they would sound. Yeah. I'm going to say a few of the lyrics here from the song. It says, My girl's like candy, a candy treat. She knocks me hot up off my feet. She's so fine as can be. I know this girl's meant for me. Candy girl, you are my world. You look so sweet. You're a special treat. So, I think probably because they're a boy band, this isn't quite as sexual as some of the other ones. Um, It's just basically like, Hey girl, you're sweet like candy. But the theme is still there, obviously. Very prominent. So, let's listen to a clip of Candy Girl by New Edition and keep an open ear for the extreme similarity to the Jackson Five. Candy Girl by New Edition. That was the last song of our playlist for today about songs that use sweet and juicy and sugary candy uh, as ways to describe 
a love or a lover or yourself in love or doing something to your lover. <laughs> kind of a uh, spectrum of explicitness, I would say. Yes. Because one's yes. one, some of the ones like this one we just heard and uh, stuff like Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. I mean, those are really harmless. But then you got stuff like Chocolate Girl by the Whispers is kind of yeah, Marvin sees Can- as Candy well. liquor girl. <laughs> yeah. So, as with many things, you could... Juicy. <laughs> like... Yeah. I mean, you can... Peter, are you a grapefruit? Yeah, yeah. You can either just have fun with it and use, you know, use candy, which is something that everyone can relate to, or you can just completely take it all the way and basically say, hey, I want to have sex with you, girl. Yeah. Like candy. I want to break you like hard candy. <laughs> I want to snort you like a smarty. <laughs> Since we uh, partly are doing this in response to Halloween being recently, do you have any anecdotes from this last Halloween, other than your work stuff? Other than my depressing lack of awesome yeah. at, with the work costume. Uh, did you give out candy to kids, or what? Yeah, when I came home, I did a little bit, but there weren't that many that came by. Hmm. This one little boy came by, or a little boy and little girl, with his parents, and the parents... Like, we're like, oh, we love your Heisenberg pumpkin. <laughs> oh, that's because, right. I forgot you did a Walter White pumpkin. Yeah, I, I carved the night before out of, I don't know, a sudden urge of festiveness. <laughs> I carved, like, a sort of posterified, what do you call it, bust of Heisenberg into a pumpkin. <laughs> and I, because I, I drew it on first from uh, from an image on my phone, mm-hmm. and I kind of ran out of space as I was going towards the bottom, so his bottom of his face kind of got, like, shorter mm-hmm. so I was really afraid that everyone was going to think it was Wolford Brimley because <laughs> I accidentally gave him like these puffy jowls <laughs> well Wolford like, Brimley oh, crap it's the diabetes well, see, you, you could have you indirectly been kind of like that lady from North Dakota because instead of giving out letters to kids <laughs> you could have just had a pumpkin that said diabetes I just I, I give them all insulin shots oh, well no you, <laughs> you would they... guilt them by just having a thing of Wolford Brimley but then no candy yeah, just a picture of Wolfram Rumor that just says, Diabetes, That's Diabetes funny. doesn't take a holiday. <laughs> oh, God. That's terrible. I think the funniest thing that happened to me, because I went, I went out with my parents, and we took the young ones out trick-or-treating for a bit. I think the funniest thing that happened was that there was some dad walking with his kids down the street with this huge glass of wine in his hand. And we're like, oh, hey, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, this is the only way I can get through this. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I kind of want to do that awesome. So yeah, that, not a lot of anecdotes. After that, I just went out and hung with DJ Major, La- Major Laser. I don't know why we call him DJ Major Laser. <laughs> it was funny because at that point I had already taken my costume off because it was not very comfortable to wear for long periods. And all I had was the hat and glasses. And he was like, I feel like trick-or-treating. I'm like, do you have a costume? He's like, no, but I kind of just want, want some candy. I'm like, I will take us to Ralph's, but you have to remember... We are adults who are not in costumes. If we go to other adults' houses asking for candy, they will probably call the cops. And he's like, oh yeah, probably right. I'm like, oh. That's really funny. And so I said, I'm like, if you want, I will buy candy. He's like, no, I He's like, I want the candy to be earned. I'm like, it's not earned if you don't have a costume. You earn it if you buy it because the money comes from somewhere. That's what I said. It's like, hey, hi, I'm an adult that can easily afford my own candy, but will you give me some? (laughs) Because I'm standing in your doorway (laughs) while playing Lionel Richie's I Feel Like Somebody's Watching Me. (laughs) No, that's Michael Jackson. That's funny. 
<laughs> oh, I just thought of the greatest idea, and I'm so doing this next year. Okay. I'm dressing as Lionel Richie, and I'm going to have in my phone the song Hello, and so that I just appear in front of people, like, randomly, and play that song and be like, Hello, is it me you're looking for? While, like, you know, propped up against the door all sexily. Hmm. Or... <laughs> I want to see you try to pull off Lionel Richie next year. He's, he's white enough, I probably could. That's true. He's like Smokey Robinson white. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you might be able to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Just get a little bit of, like, foundation, just rub that all over my face so I get rid of the ginger. <laughs> get a, I already have an afro. That's true. And I just need a mustache and a white, you know, a large-collared white suit with a purple shirt. Boom. Lionel Richie. Nice. Or I could be Nicole Richie. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed Kyle's ideas for Halloween costumes next year... Feel free to use them. Feel free to use them, but also... Um, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. And also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, just search for Funk Radio under the podcast section. And we're right there at the top because we are that awesome. And we are the tip top. We are the tip top of iTunes. And we are also on Spotify as well. Every time we release an episode, we also release um, a playlist of the full songs so that you can listen to them in their entirety rather than short clips as we do on the show. So you can find the Spotify thing linked on our Facebook page. So if you go there, you'll pretty much find everything else, including the episodes themselves and other uh, cool videos and news and stuff like that that we find uh, throughout the week. So it's pretty cool stuff, so you should check it out. Again, that's yeah, facebook.com slash getyourfunk. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, we hope you all had a happy Halloween and didn't get any razor blades in your apples. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get any of this here. I don't know, neither did I. So, um, yeah, that's this has been DJ Funky Kyle, DJ Kyle Thunderfunk, Thunderfunk. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a Pokemon move. Pikachu, use Thunderfunk. For some reason, I thought that would be a good like uh, porn star name, Thunderfunk. That, oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> Peter, I know my next career move. Well, we wish you luck with that, Kyle. And funky <laughs> listeners, you can stay tuned to our show and continue on and see if Kyle actually becomes a porn star. He may or may not, we don't know, but you should listen to I it will, anyway. I will tweet my successes in the porn industry. Awesome. And by tweet, I mean something not tweeting. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Well, you're against Twitter anyway. I hate Twitter so much. I'm sorry. I might sound like an old man, but I hate Twitter. <laughs> well... For you funky listeners who love Twitter, we don't judge you, but we've done enough talking, so we're going to go now. This has been your host, Peter. This has been your host, Kyle. Thank you for listening to Funk Radio. Please join us next time as we talk about more of your favorite funky hits. Good night. Night. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.